Actual Fluency Podcast, episode 50, season finale with Benny Lewis. Alright everyone, welcome back to episode 50 of the Actual Fluency Podcast. This is the big one. This is the Goliath episode. It's the season finale of, of season one. And I'm so excited to be here. In a way, I'm also a little bit sad that the first season is ending because it feels like uh, we're quitting in a way. But don't worry, we're coming back in just four weeks time. We'll be back with the, the next season. And the next season is going to be so amazing. I've got so many great plans. And thanks to you guys for support on the Indiegogo campaign. Um, there's now funds available to upgrade the equipment to make the experience a lot better and overall just produce a better podcast so i'm super grateful for that thank you for those people who send in emails nice comments retweets shared it on facebook everywhere you know you guys are the best and you are the reason that i keep doing this every single week so i have to thank you because you are the reason that you know, i can keep doing it today i've got a very special episode episode 50 and you might think, well, it's the last episode of season one, so you probably got, you know, five, ten guests planned and, you know, you're going to do a lot of wacky stuff. But, I, you know, I, I thought about doing that, but I think that there's no reason to do that. The only person that I really wanted to get on the podcast when I started the podcast was uh, Benny Lewis, actually, because he was one of my big uh, inspirations for starting the website, for getting into language learning to begin with. And his blog, Fluent in Three Months, provided me with so much inspiration and motivation that I just knew that I had to have him on the first season of the podcast. Uh, but of course, back then, I didn't know there was only going to be, I, I didn't know it was going to be seasoned. But I just wanted to have him on, and I, I sort of did have him on for episode 17, but it was kind of like Lauren, his girlfriend's episode. We were talking about her learning and how he was a coach and, and, and stuff. So this episode is kind of a special one for me. It's very dear to me to talk to Benny. I met him in Berlin, and he's a, an incredible guy, and he's just like you see in his videos or you can read through his, his blog posts. He, that's exactly who Benny Lewis is. So I'm super excited to have Benny on, and I'm not going to keep talking too long for this introduction this time, um, but that's, that's basically it. And oh yeah, uh, an important thing. If you have any kind of feedback or suggestions, it could be guests, or if you have anything that you think could be better for the upcoming season two, now is a perfect time to get in touch. So go to afpodcast.com and up the top you'll see a send me a message button and i'd love to hear from you because now there's a little break before the next season begins it's a natural time for me to to improve the show in every single aspect and one of the improvements would definitely be less me talking in the beginning uh, because i tend to ramble and i'm also fearing this is going to be a bit of a ramble but anyway <laughs> i just wanted to uh, introduce today's episode and again thank you for allowing me to be in your ears every friday and i hope that your language learning is going well i'd still like to hear from you guys how your language learning is going to so use that same contact me button there and uh, send me what you're working on how it's been going the last year i mean 50 episodes that's about a year <laughs> so um you know we've been doing this for a year and how far have you come what have you been doing um but enough of that it's time for the final the final interview of season uh, season one <laughs> season 50 is going to take a while but it's the final interview of season one and it's with probably the most famous polyglot of them all so I hope you're as excited as I am about this, and I'll see you again March 20th for season two. And here he is, Benny Lewis. All right, guys, today is a very special episode. I've got with me one of the few guests that really don't require an introduction, but I'm going to give him one anyway. Uh, Benny Lewis uh, is, of course, the author of the Fluna Three Months blog and book, and he's been traveling the world for over 10 years, learning over 12 languages. Benny, how are you doing today? I'm keeping busy and I'm very happy to be on. Thanks for having me for this uh, special episode. Yes, indeed. It's a very special episode. It's the episode 50, the last episode of the first season. And where are you actually calling from? Um, today I'm talking to you from Melbourne, Australia, down under. Oh, fantastic. So while we're enjoying the grayness and rain and cold of Europe, 
you're enjoying the sunny Melbourne. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> and on top of that, I'm enjoying being in one place for a month because uh, for pretty much all of last year, I was on my book tour moving around all the time. Whereas now I've got a lovely, nice uh, apartment that I'm just staying in for 30 entire days, which for me is a very, very long time, actually. <laughs> wow. That must be so interesting, though. Can you maybe go a little bit deeper into that? How many, I said 10 years uh, or over 10 years traveling. Yeah, it's what? been it's been tw- 12 years at this stage. Right. Constantly on the road, no base. Uh, so it's a very, very different lifestyle. But how do you not get, uh, I wouldn't say bored of it, because obviously there's lots of challenges, but are you not hungry for that stability of a base by now? Oh, yes, absolutely. But <laughs> one, the reason I've been able to keep it up as long as I have is language learning. Right. I've, met, I've met a lot of long-term travelers who reach their limit at maybe three, four or five years. Because if you speak English and go to another country, you will have the exact same experience over and over again. Right. You'll find the same kind of people in youth hostels and you find the same kind of people in the English expat community. But if you're speaking the local language, your your uh, cultural experience is going to be astoundingly different. So right. that's kind of kept me on my toes as long as it has. Having said that, there is a, a limit. So I, um, of course, now I'm traveling uh, with uh, my girlfriend, Lauren, and we've kind of figured that next week or next year, we're going to slow it down a little bit. I mean, we'll still always travel, but uh, we want to at least have somewhere to um, um to call a base you know right and of course a lot of people get inspired by this way of life um mm-hmm. i was personally inspired by it for for a while and what i realized was that i i i just couldn't do it i'm too uh, comfortable you know so so mm-hmm. i'm 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 more better off just getting a, an apartment somewhere in a, a country that has nice airline connections and just yeah. just staying in the country for a month or however long I want to, and then always having that home to go home to. Uh, I guess you, I mean, you make it look very, uh, you know, exciting and glamorous. And for most people, it probably would be. But I guess there's a tiny fine print there that it's not for everyone, I suppose. No, no. And there's loads of problems with this lifestyle. I've, I've blogged about it that the constant travel has uh, has many downsides. Um, and I, like I said, I'm actually even, even just for 30 days, I'm relieved to to be in the one place and I'll definitely look forward to actually owning furniture and, and instead of always having to travel with a laptop, because a laptop is great, but I, I do a lot of high power stuff. Mm -hmm. So I, I actually have to buy a new laptop every year because I wear out my laptop so much, whereas that wouldn't, it wouldn't happen with a desktop because desktops are um are more versatile more powerful they don't have to cram the space in they don't have to have a tiny fan i i actually have literally melted some of my computers (laughs) i've used them so much so but i have no choice because i'm traveling i can't i can't buy a desktop so uh there's all these little things and and then there's of course the sense of community because when you move on you don't get to um you you will get i do have long-term friends and There'll be people I'll be seeing at the Polyglot Gathering that I look forward to seeing again. And there are other events and other communities that I do get to see uh, who travel a lot. But ultimately, um, when you live in the one place, you are part of a community. Mm-hmm. And that is, uh, so I consider the last 12 years to be an education helping me for a longer term lifestyle. Right. And for a traveler who's seen so much, how do you choose a... A place to live. Oh, that's easy. We've decided we're going to move to Antarctica for um, <laughs> okay for the long term. You know, yes. that, that way we we don't. Well, when I announce it on the blog, then nobody's going to complain to me that um, I haven't. Uh, you know, that I've been biased towards one continent. <laughs> well, you need no, to see I, them we, all. We, right? we do, yeah, you need to see them all. That's right. Uh, obviously, we'll um, we'll uh, come to that decision logically and like uh, thinking, uh, weighing all the pros and cons. You know. Yeah, fantastic. And of course, a big part of the Fluent Three Months blog uh, or experience, almost. I mean, it's not just a blog. Let's be honest. Has been encouraging language learners, and mm-hmm. it's something that you've been 
sort of doing from day one almost. Um, what do you? Yeah, think? that's right. So it doesn't really have to be about the travel, as you as people would have seen last year. Uh, a lot of people told me their favorite project was Lauren's Esperanto project. Right. And um, that one, we were traveling, like I was on my UK book tour at the time, but the travel aspect of it was kind of irrelevant, just that we were showing her progress. And then we ended it in the Podigot gathering. So this is why I can definitely tell people the language learning aspect of the blog will continue uh, forever if I have any say in it. <laughs> right. Yes. Yeah. I remember there was some confusion or maybe not confusion, but some people said that, is this really a language blog or a travel blog? And mm -hmm. and then you won the, what was it? Geographic. Um, yeah. National Geographic. <laughs> Traveler of the year. Uh, didn't help your branding there, but of course, you know, it's an integral part and I'm sure a lot of people would like to do traveling and language learning. And so, so of course that's uh, fantastic. And of course the uh, Esperanto experience with Lauren, we had a chat about in Berlin and yeah. people can watch that as episode 17, I believe, but uh, don't hang me up on that exact number, but it's, uh, it's around those numbers. And we, uh, we talk about how, how you took on a tutoring role and sort of, or more, maybe more like a coach, really. That's right. Yeah. Um, and how that really boosted her Esperanto quickly. And I must say she did really, really well, uh, you know, for a sort of first foreign language experience and uh, to even Esperanto to, to speak so comfortably after, uh, after just six weeks was, was really impressive. Yeah, that's right. And it, it was her genuine uh, first um, foreign language learning experience in that, to that intensity. And uh, I also I think she did a great job. And uh, the, But the thing is, um, she felt the same struggles that a lot of beginners feel. And any time we were about to upload a video, she would say, oh, no, everyone's going to laugh at me. <laughs> and it's, I feel a lot of people related to that. And they, they saw the, the mistakes she made, she made in the first videos and how... Um, maybe I would say something to the camera, camera in Esperanto and she wouldn't understand it at first. And then that changed. And I think that's important for people. And that's, that's for me being one of the most important messages of Fluent in Three Months is I've shown people the entire process of you have to start from somewhere. You have to be a beginner. I've, upload, I've uploaded quite a lot of videos of me being a pretty bad beginner in a language and yeah. then showing that evolution does happen. Yeah, I love some of those videos because it, I don't know if it's just me, but I, I I almost couldn't watch them because it's like I felt your pain. I could sort of connect with your yeah. situation. I was like, oh, no, Benny, what are you doing? And the tu the poor Japanese tutor or whatever is sitting there waiting 10 minutes for one word. And I That's just, right. Yeah. <laughs> it was just I mean, it's a great experience and I'm sure people really appreciate it. And also you recently put up the Indonesian video where you just mm -hmm. basically showed well, this is my entire first lesson and I only practiced yeah. it for two two hours or something. Uh, That's right. I think that also shows a lot because otherwise people might just assume that you have some sort of supernatural talent or maybe that you somehow cheated. I remember those posts as well. <laughs> Those are yeah, good yeah. times. Good times. Yeah, but it's uh, that I always do like to show as much as I can and the transparency kind of shows people there's no magic ingredient. It's just... Um, Hard work, of course, and many other languages have uh, very, very hard uh, work involved, but ma making mistakes and just being bold with your language learning attempts. Yeah, exactly. And just believing, I suppose, is step one. It, it's possible. Yes. And how do you think language encouragement has changed over the years? Some, so from when you started the blog to now, do people have different problems today or is it pretty much the same? Oh, there's always there's always so many different problems. Um, I mean, now I've kind of streamlined so I understand the types of uh, languages people are learning, the problems that they face, the motivations for why they're learning the language. Um, and that kind of helps me tailor what I want to say better. But the, um, like, especially when I one thing that was different last year that I had not ha experienced in all of the years of the blog is I got to meet a lot of the readers face to face. Right. I had met some readers once in a while uh, in the earlier years, but I got to meet thousands of people who read the blog and they would tell me their big issue in person. And um, 
you know, it's it's just it is very interesting to to see what uh, what people are struggling with, and of course to try to offer my best uh, advice, but to see the other advice that has come up, and I've I've had the a chance in more recent years to interact with other polyglots. And I've learned a lot from them and I definitely, I link to them as often as I can. Every, every week um, I send out an email, the bulk of which uh, usually I have like five or six links and pretty much all of those links are to these other polyglots and these other bloggers and all the amazing things that they're talking about. Because um, there's so many things to learn and I definitely uh, feel I, I can I can help people as much as I can, but there are many other language learners out there with uh, wonderful things to talk about. Uh, definitely. Uh, what's the what's the most often asked question you get when you uh, when you met people in on on the road? Um, hmm, I don't I don't think there was a typical question, but generally there would be questions I get very uh, very often. Uh, I tell you the funniest questions when they're directed at me. Um, there was this one day that I, I kind of I had, I almost had to roll my eyes at the, the guy asking the question because um, he uh, this was in uh, one of my stops in in the states. He he said, "Do you speak Swahili?" And I and I said, "No, no, not not yet." And then he said, "Okay, do you speak Persian?" And I said, uh, "No, no, I don't don't speak Persian." And he actually kept this up for se- for several for a minute or so. He kept asking me, "Do you speak this? Do you speak that? All these languages?" And I said, "Okay, let me cut you off right here. I don't actually. Uh, I could tell you right now that there are thousands of languages I do not speak. <laughs> and um, you know, it's for a lot of people, it's their first experience meeting a polyglot. And uh, mm. in the polyglot community, and especially in Europe, we are aware of other polyglots and." We share all of these interests and we enjoy talking to each other. But of course, uh, the whole thing of this book tour for me has been to meet people and inspire them to get into their languages for the first time. So I may be the first person they've ever met who speaks other languages mm-hmm. or who speaks uh, you know, more than three languages, for instance. So they have all these questions about languages for me. And um, uh, you know that, that guy was funny, but most of them may have uh, read several blog posts so they, they kind of know the basics of what I'm about. And then, of course, they have their own doubts and they um, they would tell me, you know, I'm too, I'm, I'm too old and I would refer to um, maybe the study at Haifa University in Israel about how adults can be better language learners. I, and I, I do, at this stage, um, I've heard so many questions that I do have... Um, an answer that I I would be ready to give very very quickly for a lot of them, but people still surprise me, and I and I like that. I, I like to be kept on my toes. Right. So so you think in in an overall sense the difficulties language learners have have not really changed since since you started at least. Um, the difficulties will uh, are the same. People are have a lack of confidence. They, they feel that they don't have a good memory for vocabulary, that their pronunciation is going to be terrible, that specific aspects of the language, like the three genders in German or the tones in Chinese, they feel these things are holding them back. And it's my job to give them a little bit of a confidence boost so that they, they know it's not as bad as they think. But generally, the these problems have existed for for hundreds of years or thousands of years for people trying to learn foreign languages is just uh, they they're not confident in their abilities and they they feel like they don't have whatever it is that they want to have that they they're too old they don't have the language gene all of these <laughs> things that you you'll hear people say um, I think they will continue saying it uh, as long as being a polyglot is um, is a rarity and that's something that I'm hoping to um, help a movement to change right and that movement uh, is has pretty much exploded in the last you know maybe half a dozen years or so with suddenly conferences everywhere workshops you know like you mentioned countless uh, bloggers and a lot of people providing this sort of insight into a what was probably before a very obscure subculture i i can't, I can't say but because i wasn't part of it back then but um 
what do you think we as a as a community as a whole can do to promote learning languages in in the best possible way yeah i th- i think it's great what this community's been doing and i feel so proud that i've managed to help a lot of people get in so like like there's a lot of people who may not um may may not be as interested in my particular speak from day one or they 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 w- would say up any your advice is better for extroverts or whatever they may say they may not um kind of align with my learning approach but because i would be um you know i'd be putting myself out there as much as i possibly could and getting in newspapers and getting my blog to um, uh to get a lot of visitors it's more likely to hit them and with the book out now i have reached people who did not know that there was a polyglot community and through me they would have found the likes of richard simcott luca lampariello and, and so on and i feel that that's really great and that's what we can do is we can just try to get ourselves out there so like you're doing with a, with this podcast and what a lot of um the better known polyglots do with their youtube channels and this is what i'm trying to do is trying to talk on like this morning i was on the radio here in melbourne just trying to get the message out there that it's not um it's it's not about being a rarity that uh, being a polyglot is a wonderful thing that is open to many people and i think that's what what we can do as a community is to show how accessible language learning is and obviously within reason there's a lot of people who would never want to say that it's super easy that it's a, a cinch obviously it takes lots of work it's something that's uh, many years of investment you you would want to do it ideally one language at a time if that's the best approach for you there's a lot of nitty gritty things that people would um uh, kind of have different opinions on but i think exposing the world to language learning and to language learners is how we can best serve this community because there it's it's really um it's pleased me to no end that there are so many polyglots who are very very good at what they do and they have found this community through one of us getting our messages out there and they join us and they see what were what they did by themselves is actually something that brings them to a community and then they go into their town and they tell other people about it and they may discover new language learners so it's um it's a wonderful thing and i, I really love the transformation that's been happening in recent years fantastic and how do you feel about using the term polyglot because i know some people myself included are not huge fans of using using it because it it's sort of you know you kind of need to know about it to know what it means uh, you know yeah that's that's the problem in in uh, in english especially i mean i use the word with you and with other with other polyglots because they obviously know what the word means <laughs> yeah. but um in english speaking circles it is simply not a common word so you if you say that word people don't know it's so i um i mean i try to like it's in my tagline i'm Danny the Irish polyglot so people will kind of see that but then if, then again people will say you know do you have multiple partners or something well what is that <laughs> so it's it there is still confusion and that's um i i I don't worry people about labels and, you know, anytime I do try to talk to the the media or something, I wouldn't worry them about, you know, what is a polyglot? I, I just, I would just say someone who learns languages or a language lover, lover or a multilingual person. Um, I, I, I don't think it's so important. And then, of course, there are people who would maybe decide, oh, are you a polyglot if you have C2 level in all these languages or... You know, if you uh, speak them at certain other levels, and there's there's all this this uh, disagreement, and uh, I, I don't really <laughs> involve myself in any of that. I, I that, but like in general, in English, um, it is a rare word. So I um, I think you can be a part of the polyglot community even if you don't care much for the word polyglot. Yeah, definitely, definitely. It's just, uh, I was just thinking if we want to, you know, spread it to as many as possible. It, it, I find it a bit of a problem that everything about the community has that prefix, like, you know, the polyglot gathering, the polyglot Yeah, uh, and that, that is a problem and... that the, um, the organizers of the polyglot gathering have had to face is that a lot of people have kind of apologetically written an email saying, <laughs> 
I'd really love to go, but I'm not a polyglot. I, I only I only speak only three or four in, languages. Yeah, is and, that enough? And, <laughs> is that enough? And um, uh, I, I loved what Judith was saying to a lot of these um, these questions. Is she she actually used Lauren as an example? She said, "Well, Lauren uh, had just learned her first foreign language, and she was more than welcome, and everyone was very nice to her." And like I I think there is this misconception at first. People might think. You know, it's about the numbers. And if you don't have like at least eight languages or something, then you're just a pathetic worm. And, you know, obviously that is not the way we think. And that's not something you will find any body clock uh, um, ever implying. And I think that's why it's very important to show that that's part of the community. Um, um, yeah, it, it is. It is a problem that a lot of people kind of feel. That I, and I've even seen a lot of people maybe mention, or some people mention, there's a sense of maybe exclusivity, mm-hmm. and that's only it's only ever in their heads. They see a couple of us will do a video together and be like, "Oh, that means I'm excluded." And it's something that it's a problem I'll see in actually several different communities. I'm I'm part of like um, travel blogger communities and um, tra- travel entrepreneur communities. I'm a, I'm a part of different communities. And the same kind of psyche applies, the same kind of human condition of, uh, of entering these communities. It's very, very interesting, um, but it's just a case of how do we present ourselves. And that's why I, I always try to bring language learning down to the level that is open to absolutely everybody. And I don't like to put polyglots on a pedestal, myself included. And um, I think that's that's what it's all about. So you can promote the polyglot community without making it sound like it's an exclusive club. Yeah, exactly. And just to highlight another example from the gathering, which is a a very informal conference, I met a guy there who only spoke English. Mm -hmm. Um, He was uh, traveling with some friends around Europe and they were in the language learning community and they asked him if he just wanted to come. And he was like, yeah, why not? I'm here anyway. And um, I talked to him and he said there was absolutely nothing towards anything you know people were so nice and there were no people like uh, you know scoffing him off or anything and um you know my own experience is that that i spoke maybe three languages okay uh two quite well and then one maybe not so good but i had absolutely no problem you know people are, that, that that's the thing about the good thing about the community is that people are so nice in it i've really only had good experiences um, so definitely, I would I would actually re- recommend to anyone to come to the gathering in Berlin. Absolutely, it's yeah. such a good, also such an immersion into the community. You know, the it's sitting in the lobby, there's like thirty people talking in I don't know ten different languages about two hundred different things, and you know, you just kind of get the rush of something greater, don't you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and if people just speak one language. They never have to worry because there there always be uh, people very very open to chatting to chatting with them and uh, um, of course there's lots of people very willing to be their their own personal interpreters if they don't understand so right. they'll, they'll never have a problem. Many aspiring interpreters at that conference, maybe. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Fantastic. Uh, I wanted to get into some uh, specifics about you know the language learning process itself. Because obviously a big part of the Fluent Three Months concept is the three months. And I know that that's the reason is because of the tourist visas are usually three months. So that's why the, the that time period was chosen. And I know that you received some criticism over, you know, making it making it look like you could get a lot in no time. Right. Uh, whereas for most people, three months, you would, probably not get much further than your normal, you know, touristy phrases, uh, maybe slightly more, but can you just share how you feel about this? Uh, yeah. Know, I've, the- I've always found that, that reaction very strange because for me, when I, at least when I'm intensively learning a language, I'll get to that touristy phrase in an afternoon. I mean, it only takes you a few hours to learn how to say, where is the library mm-hmm. and left and right and please and thank you. I mean, it does not take three months to do that. I, I've never understood that that reaction, but I do. I do understand that it is something that people put years of work into, and 
Um, I think what the, the only kind of controversy that ever comes from it is that people imagine that I'm making a promise. Whereas ultimately, for me, the, uh, the name of my site represents specificity in goals. And that's, what I, that's one of the core parts of my message. It's not about three months being the magic number or fluency being what you, everyone has to aim for. It's about the fact that uh, a big, big problem in the likes of English-speaking uh, countries is that somebody wants to just learn Spanish. And I, and I think that's a terrible goal, to just want to learn a language with no kind of specifics to it. I think it's better to say, I want to reach A1 in like three weeks or in a month or something. I want to reach B1 um, by June. I want to reach this level by that time. So I say I wanted to reach fluency by three months. And like you said, three months is specifically because that is what my lifestyle cycles around from my uh, travels if I stay in a country. Like right now, I'm in Australia for three months because that's the, uh, the time the tourists are allowed to stay in the country. So um, it's, it, it really, I feel it's, uh, it's something a lot of successful polyglots do, even if they, they wouldn't have as short a time scale as three months. They still decide, okay, in November, I'm going to sit the C1 exam. And that kind of defines all of the work they're going to be doing. And they have a milestone to aim for. And this is something I talk about so much. And I, I know it will kind of ruffle feathers, but the idea had to, do, had to be emphasized with an example. Mm-hmm. So I could, have, I could have called my website specifictargetspecificdeadline.com, but it just doesn't have the same ring to it. So I you know, had to give an example. Right. And um, the example is relevant to what I happen to aim for, but there are pretty much nobody in the community is necessarily aiming for my specific targets, but that's not what the community is about. And I, I feel anyone who, who reads my posts and watches the videos will, will know that that what I talk about is, is to encourage people to learn languages and um, to help them and to give them the best tips. So right. yeah, that's uh, that whole kind of, uh, there are many, many people who would be learning languages in like nine months to lesser levels or greater levels. And I'm, I always say that's what they needed to do. That's what's relevant to them. And that's what the most important thing is. Exactly. It's always personal. Yeah, but I find it I, I find it interesting also, you know, when you put up your I read a lot of your missions, a lot of the languages during the years, and you know, you were obviously very successful at these missions in spite of your sort of uh, monoglot uh, uh, beginnings, <laughs> if we may put it that way. Okay. Um, right. Which which may beg the question: How much did you actually work, uh, sort of on a maybe not a daily basis, but how much work did you put into it when you had three months to learn, let's say, Portuguese? Mm. Well, Portuguese is a unique example because <laughs> okay. I, uh, Portuguese is the one that I genuinely didn't have to work. That's uh, it's the one time in my life that I, I, I was very lucky because before Brazil, I was in France and I worked at an extremely well-paid English teaching job that gave me enough money that I could just go to Brazil, like not have to worry um, about working. So that that's a unique example. Um, but every other one, I had to work a lot. Like in my Italian, I had to work 63 hours a week while I was learning Italian. Right. Um, and then most of the time, like for the first year and a half of the blog or so, I worked as a freelance translator and that was well over full time. That was at least 50 hours a week. So I worked a lot. But the thing is, um, I essentially, if, I, if you're awake for 24 hours, you're sleeping for eight hours, you have 16 hours. If you're working eight hours a day, what do you do the other eight hours? And I just decided to make living the language the priority for that eight, other eight hours a day. And that other eight hours turns out to be another kind of full time a working schedule, but it doesn't have to feel like a full-time job because maybe I would socialize in the language or I'd watch a TV show in the language 
and then of course I would have to study. I always have to, um, you know, learn vocabulary, and then later on in the language, since that's when I prefer to do it, I would be tidying up my grammar and doing exercises and so on. Or I'd be getting private lessons if I'm getting on Skype because it'd be cheaper. So you do all of these things, but you just pour every spare second of your of your time into it. Right. So. Um, you know, the vast majority of the last 12 years, I apart from those three months I was learning Portuguese, I was working. <laughs> I was working a full-time job. Right. And even now, like running the, the blog is a full-time job. I do a, a lot of work on writing the posts and um, getting good images, writing the, the emails. All of these things take a, a considerable amount of time. And I still make sure that I'm like, this at the moment, I'm um, focused on improving my languages and getting on Skype and using them. And I just make the time for it. And uh, it's something I tell people a lot that it's right. being learning languages, being a polyglot, um, and reaching these kind of stages in the language definitely do not require that you take three months off work and do nothing but live through the language because. I've not been able to do that myself in the vast majority of these years. And when you look at other polyglots, the likes of Richard Simcott, he's working a full-time job and he has a family to take care of. And it, so many people have other responsibilities that kind of tie up their time. And yet they still make the time mm -hmm. to learn the language. And I think that's, that's what it's all about. Will you make the time? When I worked 63 hours a week in Italy, every single second I was not working... I was absorbing Italian. Right. Simple as that. That's fantastic. And and really underlining that, you know, languages don't come to you via some kind of, you know, through a dream or osmosis or something. It really requires lots of work uh, one way or, or the other. I mean, obviously, it's not as mentally draining to be socializing compared to desk time, but you still need to put in a lot of hours. And if you want to do it in three months, well, like you say, then it's probably uh, you probably have to breathe it and, and live it, right? That's right. Yeah, yeah. It's it's great to have a little bit of. Um, I, I like I like that direction now. I think a lot of the the posts uh, you do now are, are much about balance as well, in a way. Uh, whereas okay. you know, it's easy to get caught in a not a fairy tale, but you know what I mean. It's it's very easy to get a bit allured by. Oh yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna learn twenty languages in five years or something. Right. And then you wake up the next day and you realize, well, I better open a book or something. <laughs> yeah, no, I've, I've, I found that um, the realistic posts, the posts about the hard times, these are the posts that people actually appreciated the most. Like right. uh, during my Chinese project, people's favorite blog posts, I mean, their favorite video is probably the first one where I a stumbling idiot. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it, it just kind of emphasizes that, Everyone has to start from somewhere. But the favorite blog post was where, where I described a typical day learning Chinese and how frustrated I was and how it, it was a struggle and I was having a hard time. And, um, you know, it wasn't all fun and games. And even though I do talk about socializing in the language, I wasn't able to socialize because of the different cultural gap. And, and that kind of, people appreciated that because, uh, um, I think just kids just saying all the time, oh, everything's amazing right. and I'm having a blast 24 hours a day. Um, this, it would give this kind of happy, um, everything is wonderful persona to the blog, but it wouldn't be realistic. And people do like to see the struggles and the realistic parts because they have to deal with them themselves. And if I told everybody learning language was easy, you'll sail right through it. Then as soon as they reach their first problem, they think, oh, maybe I'm not good enough for this. And mm -hmm. that's just not helpful. So I, I do like to, to share the ups and the downs. Keeping it real. And about hard times, you know, one of the one of the reasons I devoted myself to the the polyglot community or learning languages in general was because I was in a in a very bad spot mentally. And my focus on the blog has sort of been how do you go from feeling like crap and it's hard to get up in the morning. Just getting up out of bed is it's difficult to actually becoming productive and actually doing something with your life that can lead you to amazing places. So I guess the follow-up question to that is, you know, 
generic advice like um, how to set goals and how to do vocabulary and all these practical tips, how do people who struggle with life in general, how do they learn languages uh, on a sort of consistent basis? Uh, do you have any specific tips for, for people who don't have that mental, maybe uh, extra energy to just block out Let's say just do it all the time because they don't they don't even feel like getting up uh, up from their chair or you know go out eat or run or go to school. How do you then right. get the energy to learn languages? Even you know you really want to. It's yeah. just the energy and the I guess deep down is some kind of motivation. That's yeah. That's well, in in that case, I think the worst thing that they could do. I think the worst thing somebody uh, with so little motivation at first. The worst thing they could do is decide starting tomorrow, I'm going to live through Spanish for the next three months mm -hmm. because that is too dramatic a change. We we need to ease ourselves into certain things and um, baby steps are the best way forward. And something a, a friend of mine, uh, Manish Sethi, something that he always tells people that have problem, for instance, working out is you it's the same thing with language learning you might say okay i'm going to go to the gym for two hours a day and i'm going to run 10 miles tomorrow but that's just not realistic because if you try it you're going to realize how hard it is you're not going to run 10 miles and then you're going to feel like a failure so what you do is you start with little baby steps and, and he tells people what he does is he just very simply um decides that he's going to go to the gym And not even not even like attend the gym, just physically walk up to the to the gym and like check in and then walk away. And he mm -hmm. says, like, that's literally the only thing he has to do today. And that's the kind of goal that um, is something people can do. So, like, if I told you instead of telling you, you have to change everything in your in your life to Spanish. And, and like, that's super hard to get motivated to do um, like a million changes. I, what if I said okay, all you have to do is install the Duolingo app. That's it. <laughs> then it, you don't have to do anything else today. Just just go to the app store and install it. And then you don't even you don't even have to open it. And, you know, this is something people say, well, yeah, that's easy. I can do that. And then maybe then um, you would tell them the next thing. Okay, open the app and just look at it for five seconds and then close it. And I know this, this is over oversimplifying uh, the process, but if people feel like they really can't get anything done, then try to ease yourself in as slowly as possible. And you will actually see if every day all you do is open the Duolingo app, even if you only use it for one minute, even if you decide, okay, I've got enough motivation for five minutes. And even if you open it and close it immediately, do something that you keep up every day because routines are what makes everything happen. It's the uh, routines are the magic that I think a lot of uh, polyglots have is they just, you know, maybe they don't jump out of bed and open a grammar book the first <laughs> five seconds, but they do have some kind of a routine. They have the apps they like to use. They have the websites they go to. They have the books they use. Um, they have the people they call. And each one of these routines, they have gotten into them separately either gradually or um, a little faster. But somebody who lacks a lot of that kind of drive doesn't have to do it all at once, just to uh, do one thing. And maybe if you expand on that, and if you were just to open the Duolingo app and the, uh, for the next six months, then maybe most of the time you'll actually use it and you learn some basic Spanish and you learn, okay, Duolingo was a good start, but maybe I'd be better with this other thing or this other thing. And uh, th this for me has worked for pr pretty much any life goal. And uh, like I, for instance, I'm trying to run a marathon this year and I was not ever able to jog more than like a minute. And I took it in baby steps instead of thinking I'm going to run a marathon in three months. I, I figured that's that's not something I'm good at. I, I've learned over the years to to be good at languages, but I can't run a marathon in such a short time. But, you know, maybe I can run 5K. So I train myself to just run for five minutes and then stop and then for six minutes and then stop. And I built myself up to the 5K and then to the 10K. 
And now I'm already aiming to do the half marathon. And it's the same kind of thing I said a few minutes ago about specific goals, specific deadlines. I kind of, I expand that to other areas of life, but for things that maybe I'm not as good as because it's a completely new area, I don't have to have as hefty goals, but I do still need specific things that I latch on to, even if they're very simple things of just, just, you know, if you want to jog, just learn how to put on, put on your running shoes and just run to the bus that's a block away. And that's like your baby step to get you started. Just make little tiny changes and you have a whole lifetime and you'd be surprised what happens in in six months or even a year if you were to make this tiny change. Maybe then you would actually have uh, grown this motivation to keep language learning up at a much faster pace. Right, because you've also seen what's possible. So you got exactly. the confidence. Yeah. Uh, that's I really like that. And and. I guess one of the surprises that uh, came to me when I was getting into language learning and looking at all these methods is that I realized that everything that can be used to improve your language learning really improves everything. Like goal yeah. setting is just one example, but you know something like consistency and you know how you eat, how you eat mm-hmm. definitely uh, improves your memory, and yeah. exercise really makes retention better. You know, because of uh, all the uh, drugs that the body releases on on exercising, uh, that's why if you had PE before a certain top subject in school, you might have done better in that subject than any other subject. Because after exercise, the brain is just so much more uh, alert and awake, uh, which makes sense. You know, if you're a caveman and you're running from uh, a dinosaur or something, then after you're done, a running... dinosaur. <laughs> I don't know. What do you run for anyway? But um, you run from... let's 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 say a tiger. Okay, you run from a tiger. Well, dinosaurs yeah. are just so much more scary. But anyway, uh, you run from a, a a tiger, and you know you get you get all those uh, drugs running around your system, helping you to perform more. And then after you're done and you are still alive, you know the brain has to process that and make it a new memory. Okay, I don't go and poke the lion. So it learns it better uh, after the exercise because you're in this alert state. I mean, that's my theory anyway, but uh, there's yeah. absolutely no scientific proof of any of what I'm saying, but it sounds nice, I thought. <laughs> no, no, it's very, it's very, very true. There's a, a great connection between eating well, exercising well, and you do uh, – I've found at least that exercising helps me to be more efficient. If I start my day with a little jog, I um, – you know, the blood flows to my brain or whatever it may be, I can think clearer for the rest of the day. So um, there's a, a right. great alignment with uh, living well and learning well. Right. And that that sort of makes you a better a better learner and you, you improve every other area of your life at the same time, which might make you less or you know, more motivated in general. And that's motivation for getting out of bed as well, as, as well as learning French vocabulary or whatever. Exactly. Yeah. All right. Fantastic. Well, Benny, it's almost time to uh, end this uh, fantastic 50th episode. I'm really happy you uh, took the time to come on the show. Uh, In a way, it's been 50 weeks coming (laughs) because obviously you were on the radar when I before I even started the the show, but uh, you were busy with your book tour. So I'm, I'm glad that it could come together. But can we take a minute to talk about What's next for Fluent in three months? You know, what's coming up and uh, maybe share what you're working on at the moment. Um, I'm working on quite a lot of stuff. I have uh, like I haven't been I've been blogging maybe once a week uh, the last uh, month or two because I've been putting a lot of work into the emails. So people are uh, definitely welcome to sign up to my email list because I send all of the best stuff that I find online to that. Um, and I'm starting to send language specific stuff and I've, uh, I'm very pleased cause I've, I've been asking people what languages they're learning. And I see that I, I now have a chance to email everyone who's learning Irish or everyone who's learning Esperanto. And I can tell them, you know, here's some tips and here's the latest, uh, uh, app that I found for this language or whatever it is. So this is something I'm really passionate about because, uh, emailing, uh, people are a little bit more, um, they interact with their emails a little bit better than they would with a with a blog. 
So I've expanded in that way. And since last year, I was doing so much with the book tour. And apart from uh, Lauren's project, and as you saw, the Indonesian update I gave, I didn't really have any time to do so much YouTube uploading. But I am looking forward to getting back into making lots of great videos. Um, and I've even got a, a contact at YouTube who's giving me uh, tips for how to expand your channels. So that's wow. pretty cool. And um, I've, I've got quite a lot of interesting stuff on the horizon. Um, one random example is I've got the German edition of my uh, my book coming out and I'll oh, really? be able to, yeah, I'll be able to actually sign that in, uh, in Berlin just, uh, during and after the, uh, polyglot gathering. Um, um, I, I'm, I've actually got quite a lot of projects, uh, <laughs> related to encouraging language learners and, uh, people will find out about each one as I reveal them. I, I do like to keep people in a little bit of suspense, of course. Fantastic. And um, if uh, people are interested in doing that email list or uh, any of the other projects, um, can we can we talk about any of the other projects? Or is, uh, do you want to keep that a, that a secret? You want the... Yeah, people will find out. When, when right. they join me in the email list, I'll tell them all about everything else. Okay, well, I can just say it's a very uh, exciting program um, or programs. Uh, definitely uh, one of them I, I, I enjoyed because I... I'm uh, your typical uh, bad person at that, uh, what what it taught. But if people are interested in the email list, and I can totally recommend the email list. I've been on it for God knows how long, but there's always something interesting coming. Lots of uh, nice links to the other blogs. But if you're interested, go to actualfluency.com forward slash Benny. And I made a little, uh, little write-up post of what's uh, been going on and also included uh, some uh, some current discounts. So... Uh, go check that out right, if you're interested. Yeah. Fantastic. And uh, Benny, do you have any last shout outs here uh, on the cusp of the first season? You're Actually, you know what? I'll let you end the first season. How does that sound? You get a little minute of that's your time. You can say anything and that will be the end of the of the season. Okay. Well, I'll, I'll be cheesy and I'll end with everybody's favorite uh quote in language learning are many people's favorite and i'll say as nelson mandela once said if you speak to a man in a language he understands that goes to his head if you speak to him in his language that goes to his heart and i hope people will learn languages to talk to people's hearts fantastic <laughs> thank you so much for that Benny. that was awesome all right thank you very much appreciate you having me You're